Welcome to the Scribner Australia podcast, books that talk. Hello, my name's Tegan Bennett Daylight and I'm a writer, teacher and literary critic. I'm the author of several books, the most recent of which is a collection of essays, The Details, on love, death and meaning. The Details was the inspiration for this series of podcasts and it explores the way readers absorb books into their daily lives and bring their daily lives into their reading. Today I'm talking to my friend Jo Lennon, who's recently published her first collection of short stories in The Time of Foxes. Jo has worked as a lawyer, university lecturer and writer. You can find her writing in numerous magazines and literary journals. Her fiction and reportage has featured in the Best Australian Stories and Best Australian Essays anthologies. Jo, welcome. Thank you, Tegan. It is lovely to have you here. So first I want to talk, before we reveal what your, your talking book is, what book you're still in conversation with, I want to talk about the idea of being in conversation with a book. What does this mean to you first as a reader and then as a writer? Well, I think as a reader, it's, it's those books that have a kind of quality that stays with you. There's something a little bit luminous about them that means they have... A, a hold on your imagination in some way that makes you go back a, again and again or that perhaps when something happens in life that they they recur to you as a way of enriching how you might think about that experience or event. And have books always done that for you from childhood? Were they important to you? Books were important to me in childhood. I think they were very transporting and there was something very something very appealing about the ability to be able to enter into another person's world, milieu, a time and place that, that is, that was not one's own. I think that was always immensely captivating to me and a way of traveling without traveling. Perhaps that's going to become more important again in some way. I don't know. I think it might. You've actually mentioned that you are a great traveler yourself, which means that you can't always transport your books with you. Has that been a pain or difficulty for you? Yeah, absolutely. I I really wish I were the kind of person who had a, a fantastic library of all the books I've bought and read and dog-eared and probably stolen by accidentally not giving back to their owners um, and underlined and flagged. And I wish I had all those same original editions. Original to me, I don't mean that I was out buying first editions. I certainly wasn't. And I wish I had those all arrayed on some shelves around me so that I could return to those kind of physical placeholders of, of the books we've read. Uh, but what I have instead, having sold those or given them away at different points in time with different moves and changes in life circumstances is the kind of memory of those books. And sometimes that's incomplete and sometimes that's imperfect. Yeah. Are there books do you think that make you want to write? Is there a book or books that make you think, Oh, I've just got to get to, I've just got to get to the page myself quickly. I think books often make me want to write there it's it's very liberating in a way it to come back to books and it makes it easier to then write myself i find sometimes sometimes i just i might i mean this might sound odd but i might want to turn to say some very good crime fiction for example that's really i think really good writing that moves along and has something to say 
without getting too tied up in um, what's happening at the level of the centres, say. And it's just not too concerned with it, itself as its, its own prose, perhaps. I, I think, yeah, okay, come back to that. That's that's how you write a sentence. That's a, that's a good, honest sentence. Let's start from there. I think if you have writer's block, it's a good thing to go and pick up a really good quality crime novel. A real galloping book. I completely agree. Completely. I love Peter Temple for that. You know, he's, has, he's such a beautiful writer and, and these stories really really unfold yeah i hear that from so many writing friends he's been so important to so many friends of mine who write i guess we want to go straight now to the book that is your conversation book the book you're going to talk to us about today what book is it joe it is anton chekhov the lady with the little dog and have you got a physical copy of that uh, with you or do you need to keep that um, in the ether somewhere? How's that book travelled with you over the years? I have had different editions and what that has meant is that sometimes different collections of stories appear with that title story, The Lady with the Little Dog, which is the most famous of those stories. Um, so it's like a shifting constellation of stories and therefore a shifting book in these different versions, actually. What I have right now, I knew I wanted to talk about this book when I received the invitation and I thought, oh, hang on, I don't have the book. <laughs> Is that a problem? But I, I downloaded it afresh. So I have it as an ebook right now in a 2012 edition. Tell me about that moment that you received the invitation. Did you know immediately which book it was you were going to talk about? Well, I was on the fence and both of the, both of the thoughts, first thoughts I had were Russian authors. One was the Chekhov. And the other one is a book of short stories by Tatiana Tolstaya, who's a contemporary Russian author who's still living today. So, and she wrote a book called On the Golden Porch, which I think must have ended up on my parents' bookshelf through some book club or other because it's not really the kind of book that they would ordinar ordinarily otherwise pick up and, and have. But it's such a, a beautiful, shining collection, that book, that's always kind of stuck me. And I think I must have known reading it at the time that this was something different and something a bit more special than, than the other things that I think I'd, I'd encountered by accident so far. It's certainly my experience that when I ask writers this question, it's almost impossible for them to choose a single book. So I'm very glad to have a second book for it. <laughs> Let's turn to The Lady with the Little Dog. If you had to describe it to our listeners, how would you describe the book? The, I'll describe the, the, the main story. It is the story of an affair. It's set in Yalta, which is a resort town in... Uh, on the on the shore of the Black Sea in Russia, uh, and so it's a it's a very sedate place where nothing really much ever happens. And at first, this extramarital affair is presented as being very unremarkable and much in the kind of um, ordinary scheme of things. So the the main character, a man named Gurov, expects that this affair will be really unremarkable. He's something of a womanizer. He's quite cynical and a bit jaded, really. And he embarks on this affair. But as things unfold, there's something about how it happens that really surprises him. And he becomes someone at the end of the story that is really a different person to, the, to who he was at the outset. 
And how about the collection as a whole? What do the constellations of Chekhov's stories do? What do they feel like on the page? Is there anybody writing right now who you might compare to Chekhov? Some lucky writer. <laughs> um, I think that, well, there's a quality about Chekhov's later stories, isn't there, that's, um, you know, a little bit worldly wise and, and has a way of looking at humans as being quite flawed, but, but it's a very sympathetic gaze as well. And the person who comes to mind for me is the American writer Jhumpa Lahiri, who's collections of short stories like The Unaccustomed Earth, like The Interpreter of Maladies, have something of that quality of, of, of looking, looking at people and the characters in them, the way they inhabit the world and, and the sort of sensibility really. Um, that's, that's what comes to mind initially for me. Of course, we're very removed in, in time and space. but I'd agree with that. For me, um, Jhumpa Lahiri shares that same refusal to over-identify with the situation and characters in her stories. Does that ring true for you about Chekhov? That does ring true for me about Chekhov. He, he allows himself to write about characters sometimes quite unappealing. He doesn't shy away from um, noting the, the, those flaws or including their really unattractive thoughts at times. Let's imagine that um, you're in the position that I'm sometimes in of having to introduce Chekhov's um, writing to a new set of people. I sometimes have to introduce him to students. What would you tell them about his work? How would you begin infusing them about his work? I would say that this is a writer who, whose work really has the 20th century kind of bearing down on it like a steam train. It's, you can see here the beginnings of, of so much that happened in the world from the turn of the century onwards. And, and he's really this kind of figure who is, is looking with very clear eyes at the world around him, at both people and the social circumstances they're living in. And, and telling stories that are at, this, at the same time very readable, I think, on the surface level and also have a lot going on underneath in the way of subtext. His um, practice as a writer kind of changed, didn't it? He began uh, sort of writing for money in a kind of serial way, a little bit like Charles Dickens. That's right. I think that's really essential to reading Chekhov to to, to appreciate that because he, he was a popular writer and he was a writer of the popular form first, appearing in the newspapers before he did the literary journals. And we think of him now as this intensely literary writer and, of course, that's the reputation he gained later in life. But I think that writers who start out like that inevitably have quite a high regard for the reader and the way that you, you tell a story to take a reader along with you. It's not simply about the kind of expression of the, the writer's concerns. It's not so much about a gaze inward, is it, as about a gaze outward. I think that's the thing about Chekhov. It's not about him. <laughs> it's not about him. And there's a story there. Something happens. We go from A to B, something changes. Yeah. We're not where we're at the start. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that so interesting? And yet... Um, he's so 
he is regarded as such a literary writer, but I, I, I think he's got something of what you're talking about in those beautiful crime novels by Peter Temple, some of that beautiful forward movement. Mm. Tell me, um, are you a translation snob or a buff? Do you prefer one over another? Of course, everybody these days is reading the Richard Peer and Rissa Volokonsky translation, but do you have a sense of one or the other? I'm, I'm not a snob or a buff at all when it comes to the translations. I probably would if I were paying more attention um, instead of being a bit casual and a bit of a dilettante about coming back to these stories. Um, I probably prefer the, the more recent translations. Um, that's, just, that's just a matter of taste, I think. Um, and another way I've encountered Chekhov's writing through a different kind of translation, if you like, is going and seeing the plays as they've been staged and adapted. And when the play, every time one of the plays is put on, you have a completely different um, translation, if you like, a different adaptation, someone drawing out or a number of people drawing up through the actors, through the, the director, um, drawing out different elements that that they bring to bring to prominence with with each new production. So I think that that's been another kind of aspect of quote unquote translation for me. And informing your reading of him, obviously. Do you feel as though the plays and the stories occupy the same milieu in some sense? I like that there's a bit of a difference between them, that there's there's these two Chekhovs going on in a way. I mean, there's the, the kind of landed class that you see in the plays. There's always some big country estate on the verge of ruin and these very idle people often. And the short stories are much more concerned with people from all walks of life and there's a great more um, variety and diversity in, in those characters. So I think that... Um, there's, there's those kind of two two tracks going on. Yeah. And to finish off, if you were to, uh, as, a, as a writer, I often write with books open on the desk around me and it's as though I'm trying to kind of infuse my work with some of the brilliance of the, the great writers that I love reading. If you were to feel that In the Time of Foxes was somehow infused with Chekhov, what would form that infusion? What do you want from Chekhov in your own work? I think the number one quality I would say is that the humanism that I see in his work, this ability to look at people and describe them and their concerns with, with an immense realism, with sympathy, without flinching from their, their flaws and the way sometimes that their their actions the way they move through the world doesn't necessarily marry up with uh the person they'd like to be um or their or their best intentions i think that's that's an amazing quality in chekhov that is actually really beautifully put because that's exactly what your stories do it's as though the surface happening or the event of the story is sliding almost in the opposite direction to what's going on underneath. And that, of course, is what's so thrilling about reading Chekhov. You also share with him um, the growing up in a small town or the feeling of, of sort of provincial life. Is that important to you when reading him? I, I love that in, in Chekhov's stories and plays, he has this great impatience with the provinces and he's he has this as someone who's come from the provinces. He grew up in Taganrog and there's these letters in which he rails against what he saw as the flaws of the, 
the culture there saying, oh, there's no books, there's no culture, the way people live. And of course, that's an overstatement, but you, you can understand it and I think relate to it a bit. And it's a great source of humour, sometimes pathos in, in his stories and, and plays as well. And there's always this push-pull between the provinces and the beauty of, of these rural regions versus the, the lure of the, the bigger cities, cultured St Petersburg and, and all the, the hustle and bustle of Moscow. It's just lovely to hear you talk about him. I really can't recommend enough Joe's book, In the Time of Foxes. And I think, in fact, that you should read it alongside with The Lady, the Lady with the Little Dog by Anton Chekhov, which is still available as a Penguin classic. And Joe's book, of course, is available through Simon & Schuster and any good Australian bookshop. Joe, thanks so much for giving me your time today. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you. That was great, Tegan. Thanks.